Robert Gallery is a college football Hall of Famer. We talk about the Hawkeye great and an incredible class of college football as he is welcomed in to the Hall of Fame. And a little story time. One of the final games Robert Gallery played in a Hawkeye uniform. What's the path for this Iowa basketball team to make it back to the NCAA tournament? Hey, I was throwing dirt on him not too long ago. The path, it's realistic and maybe even closer than you can realize mike woodson the indiana coach he's still crying we'll talk about him and his disappointment after his team now has lost a couple of games in a row including over the weekend in northwestern but he's complaining about fran mccaffrey and the hawkeyes and a little shade being thrown by some of the iowa coaches we'll get into that today on the locked on hawkeyes podcast our locked on hawkeyes your daily podcast on the iowa hawkeyes Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts for free, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star rating on the podcast side of things. It helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. As we talk here after the national championship game in college football tonight, an absolute dominating performance out of Georgia against TCU and the gap between Georgia and everybody else, boy, it looks very, very significant, but we're not playing for that, right? We're playing for a division title. We're playing for a big 10 championship. We're playing ultimately to get into a college football playoff. Yes. For the Iowa team, but that is a long, long ways to go. Well, one of the last times that Iowa had a realistic path to maybe even compete with those top level teams was a guy that was a part of those teams, and he was Robert Gallery for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Going back to the early 2000s as he made his way in, a tight end by trade out of high school, built him into an offensive tackle, and one of the more dominating players that you're going to find in college football. You know, that 2002 team, he was the lone junior in that starting group, and, you know, he was, though, just a junior as dominant as any of the guys. Brood Snelson in the middle. Eric Steinbeck, as good of a guard as you're going to find and had a long, long career in the NFL. It was Robert Gallery anchoring the left side of that line, just the domination that he had. So he goes into the College Football Hall of Fame, which is a great honor because when people hear Robert Gallery, and a lot of people like to throw shade at what his NFL career turned out to be, and, and there's this great misnomer that he was this huge bust. Now, being a second pick and not being able to be a left tackle early on in his career. I understand where that disappointment came from. Here's the difference. If Robert Gallery was coming out right now and they made the realization that he's not going to be a left tackle, maybe it's a right tackle, maybe it's inside, where Gallery ended his career, and he was excellent. His last couple of seasons when he was playing a guard and he was playing inside, he was one of the best in the game. But he had the label that went along with it being the second overall pick, and, and people misconstrued exactly what his career was if he was at the right place, or maybe he was with an organization that wasn't an absolute dumpster fire like he was with the Raiders at that time, I think it could have been a lot different. But as a college football player, and that's what this award is about, one of the most dominating players, certainly that I can remember of my lifetime, the domination that he played with. But think of this class that he's going in with, too. You got Reggie Bush, of course, stripped of his Heisman, which is an absolute joke. That's a different conversation for a different day. He goes in. You got Tim Tebow, one of the most celebrated college football players, certainly of my lifetime. Dwight Freedy, 
Michael Bishop of Kansas State. Uh, he was in there. Who else is in there? Eric Berry of Tennessee. He was excellent. Uh, Derek Johnson from Texas went on long career with the Chiefs. Bryant McKinney, a huge offense alignment for Miami. Cordy Moore of Virginia Tech. Troy Vincent from Wisconsin, the defensive back. Brian Westbrook, he was at Villanova before a great career with the Eagles. D'Angelo Williams with Memphis. I mean, this, this is an absolutely star-studded class that you're talking about here. And for Robert Gallery to be considered in this group, just a heck of an accomplishment. But I want to do a little story time here to kick things off today. So this is a story that bounced around. I knew a few people inside the Iowa program. And how much has this grown in stature throughout the years? But go back to Gallery's senior year. Iowa coming on the heels of that 2002 year. Still very good. Had a loss uh, early in the season, early in Big Ten play against Michigan State. But they were bouncing back and played to get to a January bowl game again for the second consecutive year after playing in the orange bowl in 2002, the big 10 championship, all that that went along with it. They're playing to get back and playing to do something that Iowa hadn't done since the 1950s win a January bowl game. But in order to do that, they had to go on the road to camp Randall and beat Barry Alvarez and the Wisconsin Badgers. Things started off good. I was there in attendance. So me and my buddy, Sean, you hear me and biz uh, when we do podcasts together, stat boy, it was me and Stat Boy uh, that were there for people that know him from that way. So we drove up to the game, got up there, didn't have tickets, though. All right, we're going to tailgate a little bit, bounce a couple of bars, you know, do the Madison thing, have a good time, right? So uh, finally, I don't know, 45 minutes or so before the game, we're looking around. Of course, we're asking the bars and tailgates, and nobody had anything at that point in time. It was banged out, so we'll, we'll find something. We weren't too nervous, and turned out to be not too bad. You know, shortly after, found this nice older couple. They had a couple of tickets for us at about the 35, 40 yard line. Really good seats. We were really happy with the seats. Didn't cost a whole lot. Away we go. And they just said, well, you're going to have to sit with us. A couple of Wisconsin fans. Ha, ha, ha. And away we go in. So Iowa jumps out 7 nothing. It was Ramona Choa that made a, a play on an end around reverse type play. I uh, got into the end zone on that one as Iowa took a 7 nothing lead. But then it completely cratered. Iowa fell apart offensively. Nate Chandler was as bad as maybe he has ever been in a game during the first half of that one. And the story goes, they go into the halftime locker room right as they're going into the half. Nate Kading kicked a long field goal. Alvarez tried to ice him a couple of times and Kading is only Nate Kading can. I had a little something to say over to the Wisconsin sideline as they were trying to ice him over there on a cold day in Madison. But in the locker room, apparently Robert Gallery, well, he had some leadership qualities and his leadership qualities included throwing a trash can across the room and uh, telling guys for no uncertain terms, including Nate Chandler, we're going to have to play better than this. Iowa does exactly that. The defense was outstanding. Considine had a pick. Bob Sanders had a great pick as he went high in the air for one. And the defense ultimately held on 27-21, a goal line stand at the end in a crazy play as they swung it out on third down uh, out to a running back. Sanders came up, made a great tackle. They barely got the snap off, did Wisconsin, and Iowa ultimately won that game. Just a, a fun blast from the past, as I was remembering, and the story with Robert Gallery and kind of the way that he went there in the locker room. Think of these quarterbacks. Jim Sorge was the starter, starter for Wisconsin that day. Matt Schabert came in. I don't remember that dude. And a young John Stocko. Uh, came in as a freshman. He was the one that was leading that final drive. He had the best day, but of those three quarterbacks, nobody threw for over 100 yards against Iowa. Nate Chandler had his own set of issues that day. Eight of 26, 
One touchdown, two interceptions, 66 yards passing. Boy, that would make Brian Ferentz blush. That stat line there, it was a lot, a lot of Russell. He was great in the game. 18, 137 yards as Iowa gets it done. And Gallery, according to lore, through a trash can. We got basketball to talk about. This Iowa basketball team, after the two consecutive victories, feeling good. Stretch in front of them now with three consecutive home games and a chance to maybe not completely eliminate everything that's gone wrong, but certainly get on the right side of the bubble. Speaking of that bubble, how big is it? How concerning is it? The loss to Eastern Illinois, the 0-3 start in the Big Ten, digging that hole. How far of a hole do they have to dig out of? We'll get into that next year on Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you have to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal, eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I got this for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. I don't even think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate and great flavors. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better? They're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait for your box in the mail. For years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. You could still do that, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sands Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pack up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. So if you're close to a Sands Club, run in, grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro all there sam's club walmart they got you hooked out and of course online built.com try kind of back with you on the lockdown hawkeyes podcast again thanks for making lockdown hawkeyes your first listen each and every day hit that subscribe button if you're seeing us here on youtube let you know when we are live each and every time when we're coming to you as we get ready for a big week of iowa basketball after the two and a week a week ago the conversation certainly changes with this team, the expectations about what they can be and to get back on the right side of the bubble. Again, still work to do. This team is, he's not in the barn quite yet, as Hayden Fry used to say. There's still a work, a lot of work that needs to be done, including, I don't know if you got to be perfect over this three-game stretch at home, but you got to be at minimum two and one. I think that's a minimum standard for this team. But I found this interesting. So there's this website. It's called BracketMatrix.com. Been a long time a place that I have stopped by as a college basketball junkie. And what it does is it takes all the bracketologists. Hey, you remember back in the day, right? There'd be Jerry Palm. You'd see Lenardi. There'd be a couple others out there. And that was about it. Now they have over 50 bracketologists, some of them self-proclaimed, that have their brackets up there. And every time they update, it updates the big board. So instead of just one guy's opinion, you get nearly 60 people's opinion of what a bracket would look like. So Iowa right now is not in this bracket. Again, it just averages all the teams in college basketball, if anybody. Some random Joe that, that put his bracket in and got approved by Bracket Matrix, they have them in there. So I was surprised by this, though. Again, I was not in the bracket, but how far are, out are they? 
I figured that maybe they show up on a couple, some that use projection systems, not where the season is right now, but where it's going to be at the end of the year. And I figured there'd be a few of those, and there are a few people that do the bracketology that way. That's what I personally like because, look, anybody can put together a bracket if it's right now, right? It's not that difficult of a process. We we know what the NCAA selection committee does, and automatic bids, you plug those in, and away you go. That's easy. I like to project forward. What is this thing going to look like at the end of the year? And a few of the bracketologists that have that have Iowa in. But Iowa right now is the sixth team out of the bracket overall with all these combined brackets together. I thought they'd be in more in the 12 to 15 range. Not that far. Now, here's the good news. You look around college basketball right now. The Big Ten, what we've seen, there's a lot of teams beating each other up. How is this going to play out? We know Nebraska is not going to be very good. We know Minnesota is going to be terrible. Short of that, yeah, there, there's teams that are still trying to find their way. There's some surprising starts, including that Northwestern team. You know, Michigan had a rough start to the non-conference season. They jumped out to a 3-0 run at the beginning conference play before falling over the weekend to Michigan State. We don't have a real solid idea of what this Big Ten is going to look like. But when you look at that, the Big Ten, they're going to get their standard seven, eight, nine teams are going to get in. It's going to be who plays the best, who gets those wins, who's going on the road and picking up a couple of victories. That's going to be a huge component of this. The Big 12, it's a monster this year. I mean, the gap between the Big 12 and everybody else this year in college basketball, it's significant. I know we hate it, right? Cyclone fans beating their chest about the Big 12. Okay, whatever. Fine. But the Big 12 this year, got to give credit where credit's due. It's really good. But overall, the ACC is down. The mid-majors that normally get two, three, four bids, places like the Mountain West, the Atlantic 10, A-10 this year might be a one-bid league. The American Athletic Conference, not very good compared to what we've seen from the past, might be a two, maybe three-bid league. And that's happening a lot with that kind of next tier of conferences that are out there. So when you kind of put it in its totality, well, it doesn't matter how bad college basketball is top to bottom. You still got to get 68 teams in there. The gap where Iowa is right now, not nearly as significant. So as you look at the breakdown here from break bracket matrix, the first team out is Oklahoma. They appear in 29 of the brackets out there. Northwestern's in 28. Again, these are teams that are just out. Utah, Penn State, Nevada, and there is the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're in 14 of these, I believe, 56 brackets that are listed. Again, still work to be done. Still needs to be improvement to get there and to build up the resume. But certainly good news there. I thought the gap was going to be a lot more significant than what I've seen there. And did I overreact a little bit to Eastern Illinois? Yeah, I probably did. Did I overreact to the 0-3 start? Yeah, I probably did. Hey, that's what's going to happen. When I'm talking to you each and every day, there's going to be days where we overreact. There's going to be days where eh, things become a little bit clearer. And we get a little more, more excited about things and, and bring that positive spin that, at least from time to time, I try to bring to you. Well, there is no positive spin right now in Bloomington, Indiana. Mike Woodson is going to bat once again. He has talked to the commissioner. That's right. He's he's calling dad. I'm going to tell on you. Fran McCaffrey was being mean. Mike Woodson, what a awful, awful look this is for the Indiana head coach. After Fran McCaffrey has coached circles around him now multiple times with teams certainly more talented than what we've seen out of the Iowa Hawkeyes. And yet, Bray McCaffrey continues to find a way to beat these Indiana teams, including being down 21 on Thursday night. 
and he's all up in arms about Brian McCaffrey coming to the other side of the court and talking to the officials. Now, we know the technical foul that never turned out to be a technical foul. There's many people that believe that it should have been on Brian McCaffrey. There are others that believe it should have been on the assistant coach that was talking crap to the Iowa players. Regardless, the T was not handed out, though the signal was given by one of the officials and that terrible crew on Thursday night. All that aside, Mike Woodson, look, you got your own set of issues. You got Rates Thompson banked up. You got Trace Jackson Davis trying to work through a back injury. You got a guard court that has been hit with injury bug itself and Xavier Johnson. Hey, figure out your own bed. You go and you, after that loss, come home for Northwestern, and you can't beat the Wildcats. And not only losing that game, but losing it in the fashion. Give your head a shake, kid. I mean, Mike Woodson. This is not a good look here. Nearly a week later, and you're still complaining about Fran McCaffrey. You're digging yourself a hole, and this is not a good look. And seeing a lot of the Indiana people that I know and talking to them, they are not pleased with his antics and what he is talking about. Get your team ready. Figure out how to do something against his zone. Set up some offense. Stop complaining. Stop calling up Kevin Warren and the commissioner's office and complaining that Fran McCaffrey is on the other side of the court. But that's not Mike Woodson, be the adult here. Grow up. Absolutely incredible, yet still a story here at this day. Wrapping things up on the other side, a little more college football talk on the Iowa football front. Recruiting. We talked about the portal and portal Kirk striking again over the weekend with Dejon Parker. Great move there. Huge, huge coup for Iowa to help out that offensive line, get a tackle that looks to be ready-made. Very good player at the D2 level. He'll come in help out that tackle position, something that they desperately need. What else is out there? What other possibilities are there for this team? And the odds are out for 2023 to win the college football playoff. Now we got to scroll down a ways, get down to the Iowa Hawkeyes, just how far it is. This is better than looking at those preseason top 25s that are all coming out here this evening and into tomorrow morning as you're reading and you're flipping on. And yes, everybody will have it from the athletic to the ESPNs, to everywhere out there that covers college football. Because the reason, I'll click on it. You'll click on it. We'll I'll click on it. We'll I'll read it. But what says more? The people that actually have money at stake. That's right. The casinos, Vegas. That's what we're looking at here. We got the numbers for you when we come back on Locked On Hawkeyes. Trent Cotton back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks again for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus here from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Well, we got plenty of basketball coming up this week. We are going to continue to break things down and get ready for Iowa, hopefully getting back into the mix for an NCAA tournament bid. It's Michigan and Maryland this week, two talented teams that have been inconsistent this year. Boy, where have we heard that before? But we're uh, going to finish up with a little football talk here, including odds that are out there to win next year's national championship. Now, no surprise, Georgia is the favorite. You look, yes, they'll need a new quarterback. They'll be fine. Brock Bowers comes back. That young defense, remember, that defense from a year ago, Loses five first-rounders, 15 guys overall on that team that won a national championship are drafted. And what do they do? They reload this year and run off with a 
15 and 0 record and a 65 to 7 win in the national championship game. Georgia is your betting favorite, as they should be. And oh, by the way, their non conference slate, Georgia Tech, UAB, and a couple of tomato cans. Come on. They don't play LSU. They don't play uh, uh, Texas AM. They don't play Alabama next year in the crossovers. Hey, the SEC, get with the times, by the way, and actually play nine conference games. What an absolute joke. I mean, can you imagine the NFL? Hey, you know what? The AFC South, they're only going to play uh, 14 games this year. Sorry. It's just absolutely stupid. Everybody needs to be running the same race, but that's, again, Conversation probably we'll get to here this summer. So as you're scrolling through and you're looking at these things, and I don't think you're going to see Iowa in many top 25s. The ones that I've seen uh, here this evening, early into the morning, have not been the case yet that we've seen uh, Iowa listed in any of them that I've seen. But what makes the most sense, what you really look at, is what Vegas thinks, right? The people that are allowing you to put your money on the line and saying, who are going to be the teams that are going to be competing for the national championship. This is not me saying I was going to compete for a national championship because that's ridiculous. I mean, look at that Georgia team. The gap between Georgia, well, and everybody else in college football, but certainly Iowa is still significant. No matter how good that defense is, no matter how good our special teams are, you need to see a lot more out of the offense to be competing at that level. But you got Georgia, they're three to one. Alabama six to one, Ohio State, Michigan, they're seven and eight to one, respectively. So you're scrolling down a little bit more. You see Penn State at 20 to one. Uh, they are the eighth team listed. This would be a more realistic uh, top 25 to put out there. But all the way down as you scroll through, Wisconsin at 120 to one. They have the 19th best odds and tied for the 25th best odds in college football are our Iowa Hawkeyes. Great to see. That tells you, yes, they're on the precipice. They're probably not going to show up, but the people that matter the most, the odds makers, see this Iowa team being right there. Wisconsin, a tick higher. We will see on that front. Also kind of gives you a pecking order uh, of what to believe and what to look at next year in the Big Ten West. Top odds, again, in the West are the Wisconsin Badgers. Iowa and Minnesota, both 150 to 1. So you kind of put them on the same tier together. Where you see another Big Ten West team per 250 to one. They're joined by State at 250. Nebraska, yeah, it's not going to happen in year number one of Matt Rule, regardless of what those Husker fans think over there. Also 250 to one, but just a fun exercise to look at here, and, and I think a better way to see exactly where things are as we wrap up a little recruiting talk as we wait here today at the announcement from the Hillsdale wide receiver, Isaac Tesla. We've talked about Tesla a lot here on the podcast. 6'4 receiver, put up huge numbers at the D2 level. Possibility coming in and obviously helping out this wide receiver group. Took a visit right away. His first one was to Iowa State. A week later, he went to Iowa City. In the interim, after that, in fact, he picked up a bunch of offers. He had Miami after him. He had Texas A&M after him, I believe. Arkansas, Colorado just finished up his last official visit. That was to go hang out with Coach Prime at Colorado. And unfortunately, at least some of the reports that are out there saw Sean Buck at 24-7, Tom Caker and Blair Sanderson at on three with Hawkeye Report, uh, both saying that it looks like Hawkeyes are going to be out of the mix. He was down to a final two, and Iowa didn't make the cut. It's either going to be Iowa State or Arkansas. Let's hope, if this guy turns out to be the real deal, that it's Arkansas, because the only time we're going to have to worry about seeing the Razorbacks would be in a bowl game. And if that's the case, so be it. Let's hope he's not over our names for the next couple of years, and for his sake, too. I mean, right, let's be honest. Let's hope for him. Young man, took a visit to Iowa State. I, I just... 
I don't understand how you can visit Iowa City, visit Ames, look at the football programs and come away with that. But again, he's a wide receiver. And here's the sticking point, right? We've seen this passing game and what is devolved into the last two seasons, right? Just the huge step back that they have made going from bad to worse over the last two years. They're talking about change. They're saying all the right things. You're hopeful. Your expectations are, oh, maybe things are going to be right. We will see on that front. Hard to sell a wide receiver. Kelton Copeland has said as much. It's difficult to recruit wide receivers in the way that Iowa is currently built. They've recruited them before. It's been a while. It's been a big step back of what they have done. Maybe a step forward offensively. Maybe a new offensive coordinator. That would be the thing that could get a few more wide receivers in here. Do have Seth Anderson out of the transfer portal. That's exciting. Got a couple more guys coming in here in the freshman class. Hopefully you can find that right next. Of course, of course we get to see Nico Ragagini come back for another season. Deontay Vines, he is also uh, coming back. So there's hope. Still need more. And that means continuing to hit that portal. Portal Kirk, he is surprises. Surprises from Cade McNamara right away. Eric Gall, talented tight end for Michigan. Seth Anderson coming in, going out and getting Parker, a guy that was committed to Virginia and helping out that offensive line. You know, they're still going to be digging, but at least from the reports that were out there on Monday night, it looks like the Tesla will not be an Iowa Hawkeye. Finally, Abdul Hodge. Speaking of those early 2000 teams, one of my favorite guys to watch out there. I made the uh, mistake. And I still could have been right if injuries didn't happen to Abdul Hodge. I thought Abdul Hodge was going to have a longer career than Chad Greenway just because I, I thought Abdul Hodge, he was plug and play for a decade at that middle linebacker spot. Just so good. It was for the football injuries. And I think it was a knee injury that ultimately derailed things for him. But he's back in Iowa City, uh, getting ready for another year in his early tenure with the Hawkeyes in year number two. Threw a little shade, though, at Caden Proctor. As uh, he quote tweeted something talking about uh, Linderbaum and uh, something from the Ravens site uh, talking about his rookie campaign, played all but two snaps this year, started every game, played an incredibly high level, one of the best offensive linemen and best centers already in the NFL and said, well, thank God he settled in Iowa. We remember the comments from Caden Proctor. It's still, that coaching staff, I think, still a little sour on the way that one played out. I think we're all a little sour. Ultimately, he's going to Alabama, Iowa. They'll continue to build things heading in the right direction. Now we await the fate of the offensive staff in Iowa City. And with it, probably the offensive staff in New England. Does Bill O'Brien go back to New England? Does he bring his buddy, buddy Brian Ferentz back with him? Those are the questions that remain. Thanks again for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Again, our new college basketball podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, with our experts, Isaac Shoddy and Andy Patton. They bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Here from big name experts, coaches, players throughout the college basketball landscape. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Hoping to track down LaShawn later in the week. We'll talk some football with him. Business is also going to stop by. Hopefully, we'll get those guys in here. Get ready for the Iowa-Michigan game. Iowa women back at it. Look at wrestling. What's going on? It's a busy time in Hawkeye sports, and before you know it, we're going to have some baseball and softball as well, track and field, all kinds of things going on. Saw, and in fact, I, I tweeted it out on the Lockdown Hawkeyes account, the new uniforms for the softball team. Pretty sweet. Take a look at it. We'll be talking a whole lot more here throughout the week. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and go Hawks.